Hello, Mississippi and abroad. This is Parrish Alford with the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, welcoming you to another edition of Justify Your Existence, where we bring you all the relevant college football talk in Mississippi and the SEC. I'm joined by Stefan Kreischnick, our Mississippi State beat writer. Lots to talk about. Uh, wow, some controversy, all, all that good stuff. Uh, Steph, how are you, man? I'm good, man. It was uh, it was definitely an exciting uh, exciting weekend in Memphis, and uh, the game lived up to some of the hype. And I think added a little more than I think any of us expected. Well, all right. So what what was the final? Thirty one twenty nine. Was yep. that uh, okay? Uh, a Memphis win. Look, Memphis is is not a bad team. They play well at home. They got that big long home winning streak going. We know that the program really, you know, has has risen uh, in the last ten years through a couple of different coaches. You know, so it's it's not like that's a slouch program. Uh, it is a rebuilding one right now. It's not a team. Throughout, frankly, it's not a team states lose to right now. Okay, uh, I saw uh, Arkansas State put fifty uh, on Memphis and lose fifty-five to fifty, and I'm thinking this should be a game where state gets better gets healthier, finds itself offensively, hits a groove, does some things. And I really didn't see any of that, Steph. Uh, what, what did you see? We'll, we'll get to the controversy. <laughs> Lots yeah. to talk about. But, uh, you know, what, what did you see from State offensively? I think uh, I think you saw it first from the offense, kind of an ability to overcome some adversity. You have that opening drive where Woody Marks fumbles in, it's, it's taken back, and, you know, before you even blink, uh, Memphis is up 7 nothing. But from there, Mississippi State's offense really controlled the tempo, had some really long drives, which isn't really what you would expect from this offense. But some long drives, I think it was late in the first quarter that um, that Mississippi State even had to be on defense. I mean, they, they gave up the fumble, and then after that, it was just Mississippi State's offense running the clock. And um, you get a long field goal drive, and you get a couple touchdowns, and, you know, the next thing you know, they're up 17-7 to just like that. And, and it almost seems like, you know, like the, the Woody Marks fumble is inconsequential with how the defense had been playing to that point. Um, but then you kind of saw the offense and especially Will Rogers get really conservative. A lot of dump off passes, a lot of, there's a, there's an aspect to the air raid offense where those dump off passes and those short passes can be successful and can create some plays and especially great plays for you downfield. In the third quarter, fourth quarter, um, you didn't really see that. It was kind of those short passes going for nothing. You get two yards, three yards. Um, you know, Will Rogers threw the ball 67 times. It's a career high. His 50 completions, I believe, are the most in Mississippi State history. And, at the end of the day, you have an offense that in the second half hardly did anything. Um, and, and I think a lot, large part of that, I mean, some of it is on coaching staff, but a large part of it is Will Rogers. He had a couple throws on, on long passes, one that was super overthrown, one that was uh, really short and, you know, fell to the, to the feet of Jameer Calvin, who, who could have, I mean, might have had first through for a touchdown, had a seam there. And you kind of saw him, you know, you saw his natural abilities maybe flawed a little bit um, in, in some of those long passes. And then he got conservative. It almost seemed like he was scared of making a mistake in the long game. When he had that lead, he kind of started to press, uh, take it easy a little bit. And, and eventually Memphis, like you said, I mean, they're, they're not necessarily a great program right now. They're one that's rebuilding. But, hey, at home, you let a team like that hang around, they're going to come back at you. You can't – it's the same thing that we saw in week one with Louisiana Tech where Mississippi State goes up 14 nothing uh, and takes the, you know, foot off the wheel – or foot off the pedal, I should say, and – and, and allows the other team to come back. It was a lot of that, just just lackluster play with the lead. Um, didn't have that that killer instinct to really put a team away. Could have been up 24-7 to pretty easily in that game. 
after that that interception where you know you start with a goal to go situation almost and and they just didn't you know Mississippi State just didn't do anything with that yeah I was uh I was in Oxford uh so I was watching the game uh before Ole Miss and Tulane as much as I could the vibe of the coverage Steph from you and other guys on social media was that uh state mostly dominated the first half state was in control and I'm I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, well, yes, but you need to be up more than 17 to 7. You know, you, you should be you should have a bigger lead at this point. You, and you've talked about this offense in the first half, you know, uh, sustaining drives and, and running clock and, and doing those things. Where are the touchdowns right now? Where where are the touchdowns? Is this about Will Rogers and his continued development? Is it about play calling? I thought you hit something, you hit some nice tones there. Uh, in your next day observations uh, there at djournal.com this morning when you talked about uh, Memphis in the prevent defense, how quickly uh, State scored. And I'm thinking, you know, have they just not uh, taken these downfield shots uh, earlier in this game? I know what's going on here. I know Memphis is trying to keep the ball in front and all that and understand the prevent defense. But, uh, you know, for State to score so quickly there at the end, uh, you know, what were they just not trying earlier in, in the game? And it sounds like, uh, to, to your point, uh, they were a little bit. They were a little bit, but then it, it kind of got to that point where they were okay with, with kind of slowing it down and, and trying to run clocks. So but that's, you know, when you pass the ball 67 times, you're not going to really run the clock even on a short pass because you don't have any completions that, that slow the clock down. I think the one thing that really stood out to me is uh, coming into this game, Memphis had one of the worst pass defenses in the nation. And it gets to a point where, you know, they took a couple shots. I mean, Makai Polk, Jaden Wally made some really nice, Malik Keith made some really nice catches downfield to kind of open things up a little bit. And you were thinking, okay, maybe Mississippi State has found some flaws in this Memphis defense that, you know, a team like Arkansas State was able to find. You would think that Mississippi State would be able to find that. And they did at the start, and then they kind of went away from it. And, and it was such this conservative, you know, play that you're thinking there, and, and at one point I was sitting there thinking to myself, if it's third and long and, and the dude is dump off because you don't want to risk turning it over, I mean, if it's the same as a punt, and if you're going to punt anyways, why not just launch one downfield 40 yards? If it falls incomplete, it falls incomplete. If it's an interception, it's the same as a punt. And, and that's the kind of things that, that Mississippi State didn't kind of have that mentality that to stay aggressive when they had the lead. And when you do that, that's when you let a team like Memphis hang around, and that's when they come back and, and get the win. Uh, in ways that they did. It was just this, This I, I think so much of it is mentality that, that right now they don't have. And I think play calling and, and player ability goes into that, obviously. But when you have a receiver like Makai Polk or Malik Keith or Jaden Wally, who, who makes the play in the first half, there's no reason that they can't make that play in the second half. You're not giving them the chance to do so. And, and that's the kind of thing where if you don't trust Will Rogers' ability, we'll throw it up to Makai Polk. I would hope that you would trust him. He's a player that's proven himself to this point. So that, that's the kind of thing. It was just it was just taking the foot off the pedal and not having that aggressiveness that you need to truly put a, put a team away happening in Louisiana tech happening against Memphis. And you think an SEC play, I mean, what, you're just going to let let teams hang around. If you do that, Alabama's going to beat you by 70. Let's talk about Makai Polk a little bit. Uh, I like these MSU receivers, man. I, I think they've upgraded at that position. I think there's depth. I think there are a lot of guys who can be productive. Are they having trouble getting into chemistry right now? Are they having trouble establishing themselves with Rodgers, who who obviously is still you know working to improve uh, different parts of his game? 
You mentioned Polk specifically. I think he had, what, about 10 catches or something like that. There was a right. touchdown that he could have had in the end zone uh, early in the game, uh, maybe a PBU. I like, like you pointed out, I thought, uh, you know, a, a guy of his caliber makes that play. But many other big plays from Polk during the game, big catches. And I just think as as a group, are, are they struggling to find a rhythm because the passing game overall just isn't clicking right now? Right. I would probably say that's, that's the one thing is when, when you're so inconsistent, it's kind of hard to, to get that rhythm and to run those routes and you have that chemistry with the quarterback. That That's the kind of stuff where I think in the offseason, they did a lot of the work. I mean, the returning guys, Finally got that full off season to work with Rogers and work with this offense. Um, you know, Makai Polk was and, and Jameer Calvin were the new guys that were, you know, maybe didn't have that chemistry with little Rogers. Well, they seem to have been fine. So their, their fall camp must have been fine, but it's kind of in the course of the game where, you know, you're running a route and I mean, it's gotta be disheartening as a receiver to, to keep running these deep routes and trying to get open when everything's just, you know, a dump off to the running back, something off in the flat where, where you're not really getting the chance to, to be involved. And that's how you kind of get players start taking some plays off. Maybe get a little lazy that's the mentality part the where they can't do that, but it's kind of also human nature to, to kind of get annoyed with things like that. So I think um, them not taking those shots is it, kind of it starts this whole domino effect that when you don't take those shots and maybe your receivers aren't as involved, maybe those receivers aren't even looking for those plays because you don't think they're coming. That kind of stuff just kind of starts to build up. And, and through the course of the third or fourth quarter, I think we saw a lot of that. How was the uh, offensive line play in this game? Do you think they got better? They were better in the first half, and then there was a lot of the same in the second half. Scott Lashley in particular struggled with false starts and holdings. You had Cole Smith get an unnecessary roughness penalty, um, you know, to, to negate the completion. There was just – it was as good as they were in the first half, and, and particularly in the first quarter, they were equally as bad in the second half. And I think, um, you know, you, you can't have that as the course of a game goes on. I mean, you can have – Leach said after the game, he's like, you can have, you know – holding call or false start every now and then you're going to get those. And that's, you know, every team gets those, no matter how good you are. Um, but there gets to a point where they start building and they start taking away these big plays. It goes back to what we were just talking about. It takes away a lot of the rhythm. You know, when, when you finally break a big play, you're bringing it back 10 yards because of a holding call. So that, that's the kind of stuff where, um, you know, Leeds said it kind of felt like key players, important players uh, seem to be invisible in, in the second half. And I think that, that, that answer was a question that I came from a question I had about the offensive line. So clearly, he was alluding to that unit kind of shying away as the game went on, maybe getting lazy and saying, you know, if I miss this block, it's all right because this guy will back me up. Well, that's not how it works against a team like Memphis. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that we've seen, I think, from the offensive line. Uh, and you were there for both the games. We've seen a little bit of that in the first two games where um, the offensive line, I mean, struggles the whole game, but especially as the game goes on, make some of those lazy plays and get some of those uh, penalties that you don't really need. They were really clean to start the game, but then a lot of that came back in the second half. Uh, defensively, uh, Steph, this unit, man, I thought they played well. Uh, what uh, they held was Memphis below 300 yards for the game. I, I can't remember. I, I believe so. It was it was close to that, but it was a Memphis team that coming in that led the nation in, in yards per game. And and I wrote a lot about before the game, just in terms of um, you know this is really a test. We we saw it was a good NC State team. But it, it was a quarterback that once they once Mississippi State shut down a running game, there was not really much NC State had to turn to. This was about as, as deep and as versatile as an offense that they were going to get in non-conference play. It was going to be a real test heading into the SEC play, and I think they passed the test. I mean, um, they only gave up, I think it was, 
They didn't give up any points in the first half because the only points were off that fumble that was returned. And they only had about two drives where, where you could really blame them, where, where Memphis was kind of able to carve them up. So the, the defense played as good of a game, I think, as it's played all season. It's going to be hard to replicate this performance. I mean, it was just that, that style. I mean, I, Memphis had one first down, I believe it was, in the first half. I mean, this was about as good of a defensive performance as we've seen from Mississippi State uh, in quite some time. And they just – it got to a point where, you know, the offense isn't giving you anything. The, the defense is on the field so much in the second half where, you know, they, they might have been able to help hold Miss, or to hold Memphis to, to even fewer points. But when you're on the field that much and they're building these drives on you and they're wearing you down, you're going to give up some points eventually. So I would say the defense had about as good of a game as it had um, and, and got no help from the offense. Looked like uh, Jet Johnson had another good game. It's put two good games together back-to-back. What's he doing right now that's allowing him to be successful? Yeah, so with Nathaniel Watson dealing with his injury, um, which, you know, the team doesn't talk about injuries, but he's out. And and it's been Brule, Tyrus Weed, and uh, Jed Johnson that have kind of stepped in and been the three guys in linebacker. And they, they seem to have a, a good sense of playing together, you know, knowing when one guy needs to drop back, when one guy needs to come in. And I think Jed Johnson is kind of that middle guy who's able to communicate it all, kind of read the offense pretty well and, and you know, decide how they're going to disguise this, how they're going to run that. And he kind of seems like he's been a little bit of that quarterback for the defense the past couple of games, which is, you know, interesting because I don't think he was a guy that many people expected to be the guy going into the season. I think Watson kind of had some uh, higher expectations maybe than Jed Johnson did. But it, it's like Mike Leach talked about after that NC State game. He's the type of guy that he's just very consistent. He's almost like the Austin Williams of the defense, I feel, where maybe he's a little more explosive. But he's pretty consistent, knows how to do the, you know, the small things right, um, doesn't make mistakes. And, and that's the kind of stuff that um, you, you look for uh, in a linebacker. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, good to see uh, him emerging and, and creating even more depth there. Great uh, defensive performance overall. I mean, you, you hold that Absolutely. 300 yards and yet you give up 31 points. Now, two of those touchdowns were not on the defense. You the fumble return. And, uh, and a special teams touchdown, which leads us into the special teams touchdown, the punt return, Steph, the controversy, uh, the statement from the SEC, the, the follow-up statement from John Cohen. Man, just take us from the play itself. Uh, what, what did you see? Uh, what's, what's the rule there? I mean, I saw the picture of, uh, of the state player, I forget who it is, uh, knee on the ground, hand on the ball, yet the play was not blown dead. Uh, what what happened there? Right. So I will say first that in, in the next day observations, I wrote that um, as, as bad as Mississippi State fans can be about this call, I don't think this is necessarily why Mississippi State lost the game. That's my first thought on this. But going through that play, the, the SEC said in their statement that the ball was live and it was never fully – it didn't stop moving while it was inbound. I don't necessarily think the SEC statement is right on that. I do think the ball stopped moving. I know Emerson, he didn't – the screenshot is a little tough to see. When you see a live, he kind of kneels down, touches it really quick, and then goes away. He didn't, you know, stop it. You know, yeah. it, it was really – you know, it was a split-second play. But I remember watching that and thinking, okay, it was it was really quick, and I didn't even see um, Calvin Austin. And, you know, it was all – I only saw Mississippi State players even in the shot. And um, and I saw the referee signal and throw his marker for where the ball was down. Is I don't I don't even know what they use as marker. It looked like a little like black disc bag. tossed out there. And he waves his hand. Right, yeah. And and he waves his hands 
and but but you don't hear a whistle, and that's out of nowhere where Austin comes in, picks up the ball, and just goes. And, and as soon as he picked up, he was gone. I mean, Mississippi State players were, you know, the, they were on the far sideline, and he was running on the near sideline, so they weren't even close. I mean, they had no chance of catching up to him. The one player that I did see kind of stayed alive in the play was, oddly enough, Jet Johnson, because Austin swoops in, and the only guy that dove after him and, and tried to chase after him immediately was Jet Johnson. Once he broke, once Jet kind of came up short, that's where Austin broke through it. What surprised me the most is, is and Leach, I mean, Leach didn't even know this happened post game was the referee signaling it dead. And that's what the SEC said in their statement was once the referee signaled dead, they should have reviewed that and said it was an inadvertent signal, but one that showed Mississippi State that the play was over. And it should have been, after review, ruled back, along with what should have been a five yard penalty for two players of Memphis wearing number four. And when you, you have usually have a guy on offense and on defense that wear the same number, Mississippi State has that with Randy Charlton and uh, Tulu Griffin. But one of them usually puts on a different number if they're on the field together, usually for special teams. So that should have been a penalty seen in review. And then the review itself should have saw the referee signaling. I think this is where you almost want to blame uh, the Mississippi State coaches more than the referees because they looked at the scoring play and and you review every scoring play and it was pretty quick that they went and kicked the extra point. That all moved really quick to me. And I was questioning why the replay on a weird play like that didn't take a little longer. Well, it turns out the Mississippi State coaches didn't really – quote-unquote challenge it and tell them to look at that and review and and I understand if, if Leach is you know his offense had just come off the field I'm not sure if he was talking to the offense if he was watching the play at all it seemed like he wasn't really sure what what happened because he didn't see the referee signal it but I'm thinking in my head sitting in the press box and knowing that Mississippi State's got coaches sitting up basically where I'm sitting is how nobody thought to go in the headset and say hey you know tell the referees look at this because the referee signal is dead it, it was it, it was just very lackluster on the Mississippi State or coaches to not say anything, to not challenge it even more. Um, and and you find out later in the statement that you know if they had said something, they probably would have gone their way, or at least the SEC thinks they should have. Um, so so if I was a state fan, I mean the referees got it wrong, but at the same time you got to be pretty upset with your coaches for almost falling asleep at the wheel there. Well, and, and more to the point is there were so many opportunities for Mississippi State to win the game. Right. It's terrible to lose it that way. And I used to be, Steph, I used to be of the mindset of, of I'm going to always uh, – I'm not going to blame the officials in this situation. Okay, I used to be of, of that mindset because there are too many other things that a team can do during the game to affect the outcome. But you know what changed me on that was uh, the Saints and the Rams and the NFC Championship game and – in 2018, okay, that that changed me on that because <laughs> that that uh, terrible no call on the obvious pass interference there, uh, the Saints should have been lining up to kick a field goal to win the NFC Championship game and go to the Super Bowl. And I'm and I'm trying to I'm struggling with my feelings, man. And, and the bottom line is, you're not going to be perfect in a football game. You're not going to be perfect as players and coaches. You're not going to be perfect as officials, okay? Now, the officials come under great greater scrutiny, obviously. But in, in that instance, in same instance for Mississippi State, they were not perfect. There are a lot of things that State could have done to win the game yesterday in spite of the punt return, in spite of the blown call, in spite of all those things, lots that State could have done to win the game. But what they did had the game been officiated correctly, was enough. They weren't perfect, but they did enough. They did enough to win the game had they not had that blown call. And one just the blown call 
It was the botched replay. I mean, take the state coaches out of this for just a second because they mm-hmm. have this responsibility that you're talking about. Where's the booth-initiated replay? You know, where, where right. are these guys in Birmingham, you know, that they're getting paid all this money to look at all these angles and everything and say, hey, hey, we need to take a look at that. I mean, there, there are layers, layer on top of layer here to prevent this sort of thing from happening, and the whole thing failed. Now, that just says to me that even all of these layers and even all these extra steps, it's not, it's not foolproof, and, and it's never right. going to be because there's always going to be human error. But, uh, you know, if, if I'm a state fan today, I'm frustrated just on so many fronts. I'm frustrated that my team didn't play better, frustrated that my, my coaches maybe could have done a little more on that play and didn't. Uh, frustrated that the call was blown, frustrated with the officials, the SEC, everybody, which, you know, I think uh, the, the point here is it's, it's an imperfect process. No, no, nobody's going to be perfect, players, coaches, officials, but uh, it just it hurts to see a game determined in that way when, again, you weren't perfect, but if, if the play is officiated correctly, you did – enough right yeah yeah that's the one thing too where you know a player or coach if they make a mistake um they don't have the benefit of of a second chance to make up for it the officials had that there and, and they totally screwed that up i understand states being state fans being really upset but you know they're not gonna they're not gonna call it a no contest they're not gonna give you a win um, um because of it and, and i just think that you know the mentality has to be one of you know we, we should have never been in that situation where, where the officials can dictate the game and, and going into SEC play, that's got to be the focus. And that's what John Cohen said, um, you know, Mississippi State's athletic director, in his statement, he said, you know, we're upset that, you know, this is how this transpired. We appreciate the SEC saying something, all this and that. His last sentence was, our focus is now on LSU. And that's what it's got to be. At this point, you got to turn your attention and say, you know what, maybe the referee screwed this up. But at the end of the day, we played a pretty terrible second half. And if you're going to do that against uh, LSU, you're not going to win the game. And, and it's got to be a pretty quick shift here. Yeah, and focus is the key word here. You heard it from John Cohen. I know you'll hear it from uh, Mike Leach during the week. Can't let that bad play, that bad ending, beat you twice. You know, you, you right. got to get over it. You've got to uh, get your head straight and move on. Folks, we're moving on. That'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, where we give you all the relevant college football talk in Mississippi and the SEC for Stefan Kreifnick. I'm Parrish Alford. Thanks for being with us. Come back and join us later this week.